Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 77 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. This week we have thriller suspense author Jimmy Gear joining us. It's a very fun episode and one I can't wait to dive into. So like the lady said out front, this is the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. If you are a published author and would like to be a guest, or if you have a recommendation for a guest, make sure to reach out to me at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Drop me that email, drop me a little line, give me a little message. You know how it works. Let me know what you want to do and we'll get something set up. Man, I'm like giddy today and I don't know why. I, I got stung by three wasps yesterday, but I'm in a good mood today for some reason. So, you know, I'm not going to go into that. That's, that's a long story. So, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> make sure that you are following the show on Facebook or Twitter, whatever your social media flavor is. Uh, you can also find every episode now up on YouTube. Follow us on YouTube or on whatever your favorite podcast player would be uh, once you find us on there if you like the show leave us a rating which is which is nice you know we really like that but in particular i ask that you share an episode with a friend so when you find an author and a book that you really like make sure you share that and it, that helps bring more attention to the to the guests that we have on the show which is the whole point as for me well i'm going to be honest with you uh kind of struggling lately with my my edits, and, uh, well, namely that. Namely, it's just the edits. I'm writing okay in the morning. That's going along all right, but uh, I, I think it's just time. Making the time to do edits. Um, actually, I have done a lot of interviews lately. This last week, I've done a lot of interviews. I've got a lot lined up uh, this coming week. So, making the time to sit down and get it, you know, really get into the time that I need to do an in-depth edit of my new book. That's where I've been struggling lately. So, you know, I think maybe it's just a matter of timing. I know after I get these, uh, the interviews done this week, then I'm planning on cutting it off for a little while again. So I can, I've got plenty of shows to edit and go through the next few weeks and uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'll make sure to keep you updated on that as it goes on. But you know, one of the things that, uh, (laughs) this is a segue by the way, One of the things that keeps me going is that I use Scrivener writing software. It is my favorite ever writing tool. And I've I've done a lot of writing on Word and other stuff. I've got notebooks everywhere full of notes. But Scrivener is the place to put it all together. Their integrated outlining tools let you plan everything first or you can restructure later. And as your project grows, you find that Scrivener grows with it. Listen up for a Scrivener ad here in just a couple of minutes, and uh, don't forget to also listen closely for that 20% off coupon. I also want to give a big shout out for our other sponsor, U-Storeall. They've been with us since the beginning, but they've been around for more than 40 years, providing safe and secure self-storage to the Warrensburg area. With a multitude of sizes available in both standard or true climate control, U-Storeall gives you a clean and green place to store your goods. Make sure to check them out online at ustoreall.net. That is the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. 
I also want to make sure you head on over to our friends at popgoestheculture.com. This is the central hub for all things pop culture from, oh my gosh, countless podcasts. I can't even figure out how many they have anymore. But with shows like the flagship Pop Goes the Culture podcast who have had special, they're on hiatus right now, but they've had special episodes all this week with the San Diego Comic-Con coming up. There's also the Backlot by Alamo Drafthouse. That's a fast become one of my favorite shows. There is the Back in Time podcast, another one of my favorites, where they talk classic movies all the time, every week. You've also got the Nerd Rage podcast, Two Dads Review, Amazing Nerd Show, Fellowship of the Geeks, just to name a few others. There are YouTube channels, there's other authors, other books on there, which, you know, so that's going to be a place for me to go to here before long and reach out to a few of them. But there's also blogs and plenty of things for you to check out. So get on over to popgoestheculture.com. As always, just click the link in the show notes and it'll take you right to it. Uh, my guest this week is suspense thriller author Jimmy Gear. And what one of the things with Jimmy is that he's a local author who has a few books out. And, you know, I hadn't heard of him before. Now, at the same time, he hadn't heard of me either. And we're both authors. And that's, you know, that's fine. That's what happens. But it got me thinking about it that that was kind of, you know, it's kind of the whole idea for this show is to bring you authors that you may not have heard of before. And what's interesting about that is, you know, that could be anyone. Let me give you for instance, okay? I just heard of Robert McCammon. <laughs> That's right. The Bram Stoker winner. Uh, his book, Swan Song, is in the top 100 books that you need to read before you die. It's ranked like 81. I just heard of Robert McCammon like 10 years ago. I never knew who he was, never read any of his stuff. It wasn't until I started to dis really discover him almost 10 years ago, more like eight years ago, that I really understood who Robert McCammon is. And he is now uh, not only my favorite author, but he's also my guest, Jimmy Gear. So the correlation, you know, it fits the storyline, which is what I'm, I'm telling you. So that's what I'm hoping to do with this show is bring you other authors, whether it's a New York Times bestseller or a guy from just down the road, like Jimmy Gear. I want you to hear from and learn about new authors that you wouldn't normally have caught wind of. And, you know, this is episode 77 after all. I have no doubt that somewhere in there are at least two or three that you're going to love. So that, that was just some thoughts I had talking with Jimmy and listening to his book, uh, his reading, which is incredible, by the way. It's very suspenseful, really leaves you wanting to know what is going on? Uh, we have a great conversation about the writer's mind, uh, the inspiration behind it all, uh, the struggles that he went through, that he's gone through as a writer. And, you know, there's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful conversation. And I can't wait to get you on over there. So, by the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention that Jimmy is going to be at Reader's World in Warrensburg this coming Saturday, July 27th. I'm going to make sure and share it online, so check us out on, uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Either way, I'm going to make sure and share that link so that way you can follow it. So if you're coming to the Missouri area, and I know there's a lot of you out there. I know there's about 900 people just in the Kansas City area alone that are listening to this show. So if you want to come on down and meet Jimmy, make sure you do that this coming Saturday, July 27th. 
and you can meet Jimmy in person at Reader's World in Warnsburg. I'm going to be there. Hope to see you there as well. Stay tuned for a message from our sponsor, and then we're going to get you right over to our interview with Jimmy Gear. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. And hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, uh, we have got a really exciting guest for me this week. Uh, This is somebody who heard about me I mean, oh my gosh, this is awesome. They heard about me, then they heard about the show, and I, I it's just like a really cool thing for me. It's a first time, so, you know, it's, it's special for me, and I get to bring this to you, the listener, to hear this. So, yes, people do know about me. They, they are out there. So, <laughs> anyway, from right here in Missouri, Jimmy Gear is our guest this week. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm very, very happy to be here. <laughs> I'm I'm very happy, so... Uh, yeah, and this is a, like I said, this is a very special thing for me. This is a unique experience. I've never had this happen before. So I, I'm just really happy to, uh, to have you on. Well, I thank you for the opportunity. I'm really excited about it and I appreciate you carving out, carving out some time for me. Uh, it's my pleasure, buddy. Hey, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I work in the, in social work field here in Warrensburg. I work for a place called Wills. Um, and basically we provide, uh, care for people with disabilities to try to get the help that they need. Um, I'm also a pastor in Chilhowee, which is where I live, and I try to make money through other other means as well. So I got a, I got a few hats I wear, but my my passion is is writing for sure. Uh, that's great. Yeah. No, I I understand that. Uh, when I actually started this show, I was working two jobs. Uh, my, hmm. my current day job that I still have, and then I was working nights at the theater where you first heard about me. I was working there in the evening. And, That's uh, where I've seen you. I knew I recognized <laughs> you from <laughs> Now that makes sense. Yeah, and I think our, our mutual friend up there, I think uh, I think I had just left uh, oh, wow. late this year whenever uh, whenever you got to talking to him. So, <laughs> which Okay, yeah. <laughs> Which you know, and I guess we should give a shout out to him because I know I know he listens to the show uh, once in a while, so he's gonna get through all this. Brandon, hey, thank you very much, man, for hooking us up. Yeah, you're awesome, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Jimmy, uh, so you've been writing for a while. I know this is something you've always wanted to do. How, how long have you been writing? I've been writing since I was a little kid. The first time that I really thought that I don't know when you're a kid, you don't really think about whether you're going to be a writer is your career and all that. But when I was really young, I don't remember what grade it was, but it was one of those, you know, formative grades. We were given an assignment in English class to write a short story. And most, most of the kids that turned in their stuff had, had a couple paragraphs, less than a page. And I wasn't trying to 
prove anything, but mine was about seven or eight pages long because I just started writing and was really into it and wrote this story. I wish I still had it now. It's probably not any good, but, um, you know, I got done with that and she was, she was kind of surprised by the length and everything. And that kind of set things into motion because whether she really believed it or not, she told me, Hey, this was a really good story. And you know how, you know, how that can kind of light a fire in you when you have a teacher or some mentor like that, that, that kind of gives you positive feedback. So that's kind of where I started and I've just been writing, writing since then. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's that's really great. Yeah, I I remember in junior high uh, having an assignment to write something, and I I don't remember what they were requesting, but I wrote it. Wrote us. I ended up just writing a story about a hostage situation that I was involved in as an older guy, and uh, yeah. I wrote this out and then turned it in and got an A, and then uh, uh, gave it to my dad later on, and he was like really thrilled by it, and it just that being like one of those moments that really spoke to me. As oh right. man, this would be cool to be a writer when I got older. Yeah, exactly. And it seemed to be the only subject in school up until college that uh, I got good grades in were, was composition. And uh, grammar didn't come real quickly, but I did develop an interest out of necessity, if nothing else, knowing that hey, if you're going to be if you're going to be a writer, you better learn as much of this stuff as you can. So yeah, um, that kind of sparked the interest in that area. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so your first one, Indefensible, came out in mm-hmm. uh, in 2014. Tell us a little bit right. about this. Well, Indefensible is basically a, a child abduction story, and I, I really like the high concept ideas. Those are the ones that I really latch on to. If I have a little idea about something that kind of starts simple, and my idea for that was just, you know, what if this what if this guy takes his daughter into a neighborhood to sell, you know, to sell some kind of fundraising item. And he, you know, through some circumstance, she ends up in this uh, older lady's house and she disappears. And he can't believe that this older, kind lady could have taken her, but he can't find her either. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the the concept of the story. And then I kind of ran with it from there with a few twists in there um, is, is the basic story for that. And kind of introduce a, a detective who comes in and, and, and helps out in that. So that was my first one. Wow. It's kind of, a, it's a pretty, pretty quick read too. It's not a super long book. Yeah. And, and I noticed that uh, all of your books online, they're all on, on Amazon and they're in, in uh, KU. So it makes it easy for everybody to go and pick up a copy and check it out. And, and of course, of course, everybody make sure you go and leave a review after you read. The Absolutely. Book. Yeah. yeah, that would be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> so where did, where did an idea like this come from? Um, you know what? I just think the, the ideas just pop out of nowhere. Um, and I was just driving one day, the best I can rem- remember, it's been a while. It was probably about five or six years before I started writing the story that I thought of the concept, but I have, I think of so many concepts and then they don't always make it to page. So yeah. there was some time that passed, but it seemed like I was driving through a neighborhood and saw people going door to door, um, selling Girl Scout cookies or something. And I had a, I had very young kids at the time and they kind of, kind of thinking about the paranoia of letting <laughs> your kid go out. So I thought, you know, what's the most unlikely scenario, you know, that, that would cause you, cause a child not to be safe in that situation? Kind of, kind of working on that paranoia. 
And I thought, well, what, you know, you think about going up to a house where there's this villainous person or something, but I thought, what if she went up to a house of this older lady who was super kind, super nice, but there was some other things going on behind the scenes. Mm. And then it kind of just took it from there. You know, it was kind of a challenge, but, you know, thinking, okay, how can I work this into a, into a story that would be interesting? (laughs) (laughs) So like the last person, the last person in the neighborhood you would suspect, you know. Yeah, yeah, man, the writer's mind. I, I love it. I love it. How yeah, yeah. just any any little thing can be that little kernel that leads you into a story. That's right. <laughs> well, so what uh, what part of writing do you find? Um, do you, do you have a part of writing that you uh, struggle with? You know, usually there's various philosophies on how to write a book and. One philosophy that really stuck out to me, and I'm not saying this is the right way because it just depends on the writer, but I kind of latched on to this idea of letting the story tell itself. Mm. So basically, I'll come up with a concept, and I'll start writing, and I'll let the story tell itself, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'll do that through the first draft, Then I'll look back over it, and you know, you got to look back over and see, is this really did this really go somewhere? Is this something that someone would want to read and be compelling? And, uh, you know, usually there's things you can do if there's, if there's a plot problem or something that kind of clicks. Um, you probably know how that is, but, uh, yeah. So the first draft is just, you know, letting the ideas flow and hopefully it takes you in a pretty good direction. And then you go back through in your subsequent drafts and, and work it out where it's actually something that's that's good. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the way I, the way I approach it. But you know, I was told. Well, I wasn't told, but I read somewhere um, about writing and people saying, you know, I've always wanted to write. And kind of the answer to that is, well, then why aren't you writing? If you really want to write, then you write. <laughs> and uh, you know, for me, the key to dealing with writer's block and dealing with not putting things out and being busy and all that stuff is just to write, to just to start writing. Even if you don't feel like it, write a couple pages, and as long as you do that every day, you know, if you write a page a day, you got a novel a year, basically. Yeah. So it's just it's just getting, you know, and it's not really finding the time. It's actually just because we find time to do all kinds of stuff. It's just actually sitting down and doing it, even if you don't feel like doing it. It's kind of like exercise, you know, <laughs> and yeah. just sitting down and doing it. Yeah, yeah. You got to sit down and work that uh, creativity muscle. So that it gets, right. it, so that it strengthens and then it becomes easier over time. That's right. So, yep. Yeah, that was that was the lesson I learned uh, through my first bout of uh, NaNoWriMo. I I had been struggling on my first book for years, uh, just trying to plan it out, and I knew what I wanted the book to be, but I was planning it so much that I felt like I was done. It was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this NaNoWriMo thing, and I'm just gonna start over. And doing that, just unlocking that creativity part of it and ignoring the critical part of my brain, it, it just, I was amazed at what came out of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, moving forward, your next book was Hard Currency. And uh, when did that one come out? That one came out about a month after uh, Indefensible. And basically, I'd started Hard Currency um, again, with a concept of taking a story that basically mostly takes place in a hotel room. A guy's struggling with, with his daughter's death. He's considering suicide, but there's a, there's a whole other aspect of the story where, you know, not to go into 
plot details too much, but he uh, basically is being chased by some pretty bad people. Mm. Um, but basically, you know, it was just uh, sitting down and, and trying to let that story tell itself again about how this guy would would deal with the, the passing of, of his daughter. And again, it's kind of the old thought of working on paranoias, you know, and I've got four kids. So, you know, what kind of emotions would you go through in that situation? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got, again, I really like twists. I really like twists. I try not to force them into my stories, but I like a good twist. So there's a, there's a few in that one as well. Um, basically, when I got Indefensible out and people started buying it on Kindle, I got so excited about that that I sat down and I just started uh, Hard Currency and I just kind of wrote out the rough draft. It took me about 11 days to get the rough draft out. And then I went back and started uh, doing it. And I kind of thought that's the way it was going to be. Okay, well, I can release a book every few months, you know. Mm-hmm. Then you fall into the routine of life and you the the longer you're away from daily writing, it seems like the harder it is to get back to it. So. Yeah. Um, then I started working on some other stuff in, in the meantime. Yeah. So those are the two that I have previous to this one, which just came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And that was, uh, yeah, your most, most recent, that's, uh, the birthday girl, which man, I mean, that, that cover is amazing. That really, (laughs) that really like you, you, it really draws you in, uh, seeing the, the face in the smoke and the, the little cupcake, it's whoa what is this about (laughs) i appreciate that my my son actually uh designed the cover um we did it from scratch um we bought the cupcake the candle he took a face online and of course when you look at the cover you could never tell who it is Mm -hmm. (laughs) from the picture and then he added the uh the lines in the background which are supposed to be well actually there's kind of a lot of double meaning in the cover but the lines in the background uh speak to like uh, light coming against the bars, mm. but it also speaks to uh, like the stripes you put on a wall when you're counting time. So there's kind of a double meaning there with, with, with that whole idea. But yeah, he did a great job on the cover. He was well paid for it. <laughs> I told him don't don't expect to get as much next time because it didn't take him nearly as long as I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great. See, and I'm yeah. I'm going to make sure not to tell my son that because he created my my <laughs> book cover on my first one and. I had been working on my cover for uh, like a week straight and getting nowhere with it, and he did it in like two hours, and uh, like wow. and and did it on his phone. He was like, "Oh, well, here, zip, 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 zip. Here, what do you think of that?" And I was just like, "You're kidding me!" Well, that's so, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, I like uh, made dinner for him. Uh, that was my payment. Oh so. <laughs> man, you worked you worked that out a lot better than I did. <laughs> well, I've probably paid him enough over the years, so it worked. It worked <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But I, I won't tell yeah. him that uh, people earn money for this. So. Oh yeah, he won't. He won't get that again. No there way. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't listen to the show, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> All right. There you go. Oh my gosh. Well, what are you? What are you working on now? Any, anything? Well, right seen? now. Yeah. Um. I've been really happy with the reception to Birthday Girl so far. Uh, a lot of it's been friends and family that've been really supportive, and that kind of lights the fire in you. So I've, uh, I had another concept of a uh, daughter and mother that are trapped uh, in a parking garage. Um, they are middle class people that get on the wrong side of some criminal stuff. Kind of not, it's not their fault, but they're kind of in this situation. So I've been writing that, and that's about halfway done, uh, rough draft. 
but I'm going to release Indefensible in paperback because I think a lot of people missed it because a lot of people aren't comfortable with the whole Kindle thing. So I'm going to release that in paperback. And then another book that I've been working on for some time now, kind of an adventure, uh, epic adventure story with a little bit of fantasy in it with a female protagonist is uh, just about done. And I'm really happy with it. I'm really proud of it. So I'm going to try to get that out sometime in the fall, you know, maybe even November, December, somewhere in there. Um, but those are the three that I'm going to try to bring out the remainder of 2019. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, that that's that's really exciting. It's good to see that uh, you know you're, you're really getting uh, the ball rolling here. I mean, you had a couple of books a couple of years ago. Things got in the way, which you know that happens. But, yeah, but you're not giving up. You got the new book that just came out, and then more coming soon. So I, I'm, I'm excited for you, man. And and to find well, out, and you know, and to find out that you're like right here in you know the neighborhood, in this community, and you know that that we're finally gonna meet like this. This, this is like so cool. I'm, I can't wait to like actually get together with you sometime. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And it's really crazy to to not make that connection about the theater because now it's just crystal clear. <laughs> seeing you there because we were there once a week me and my buddy uh it's i can't believe i hadn't made that connection till now oh yeah i was the old guy there so it was easy to, to <laughs> pinpoint me <laughs> i'm sure you'd i'm sure you'd remember us too uh but maybe when we meet you'll it'll trigger something maybe i don't know that could be that could be <laughs> well <laughs> all right, so jimmy where uh i i know how to find you now but uh where can listeners of the show find you um, probably the best way right now is through Gmail as far as contacting me, and that would be Jimmy Gear, J I M M Y G E A R 17 at gmail.com for any correspondence. Um, if they want to purchase the book though, any of the books, they can go to Amazon, and I would work, I would search by author name and, and title one of the books, probably the quickest way to do it. So they can always, you know, go there to purchase. I'm going to try to get my website up in the next month. And it'll be uh, JimmyGearFiction.net, and uh, hope to get that done in the next month. But for now, probably the you know the ones I just mentioned be the easiest way to find me. Okay, yeah, and you know it's it's uh, usually I record these shows a couple weeks out ahead, so it'll be a little bit. So yeah, if, if the uh, if the website's ready to go by the time this comes out, I'll make sure and put a link in the show notes. Uh, but, awesome. But regardless, I'll make sure and put a link in the show notes, everybody, so that we even click on the link for Birthday Girl. And uh, once you click in there, you'll see Jimmy's other books, and you can check out any of those. There's also a short story in there, everybody, so you can check out Passing By and then move on to the next one and the next one. And, you know, I I'm, I think Jimmy's going to be okay if you want to check out all of his books. Oh, absolutely. And I, <laughs> and I thank you for the help on that. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I'm really excited to uh, get together with you sometime, and uh, this has been a lot of fun, man. Me too. Thanks a lot, really. My pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for me to step aside. I'm going to hand the floor over to my new friend, Jimmy Gear with The Birthday Girl. One. At first, there was but darkness, an impenetrable, unfathomable darkness all around him. He struggled to breathe, feeling the claustrophobia of intangible nothingness closing in upon him like an enemy's embrace. 
He gasped against an oppressive weight, which at first he took for the stale, stuffy air that might fill a coffin, then realized slowly that he was breathing against a fabric that was rough and, more importantly, real. Fumbling, he desperately flung off the blanket that had been drawn around his face. The darkness abated just a little, melting from black into gray. He still could not see anything but shapes and shades, but the relief was immediate, the air warm and yet deliciously clean. Gasping, he sat up, the blanket falling to the floor, sweat stinging his eyes. Terror had lurched forth from the cage in his chest like some winged creature, but he had somehow managed to keep it contained, trapping it in his throat. He swallowed it back down. Breathing deeply, shuddering, he sat and stared into the gloom, steadying both his heartbeat as well as his nerves. He squeezed his eyes shut, the fear of the nightmare, or whatever it had been, he was not quite sure yet, still present, but swiftly fading in the distance, like a leaf carried away by a gentle current. Slowly, almost hesitantly, he allowed his eyes to open. A haze of light, like blue gauze all around him, was aiding his sight, slowly developing the picture before him. His cheek was pressed against something hard. He realized, as the picture slowly developed, that it was a cement floor. He saw a patina of dirt, powdery gray, dusting its surface, a crack snaking out across the floor and dissolving into the gloom. Slowly, delicately, he tried lifting his head, only to feel the remnants of a headache resurfacing like a distant warning. He licked dry lips and came to the stark realization of how thirsty he was. Hence the headache, he thought. He remained there lying on his side, breathing in and out, the coldness of the cement causing a chill to begin to slowly permeate his body, like a corpse that had been laid out on a mortician's table. He wasn't sure how long he remained lying there like that, but it was long enough to realize that more shapes were rising from the gloom like tombstones protruding out of the midnight mists. The light of what could only have been a gradual sunrise was growing behind him like an angelic visitation. The room was becoming more illuminated with each passing moment, a clever trick. Eventually, the entire room, barren though it was, came into focus, and he regained the will to lift his head again. In the path of the rising sun, a golden snowstorm of motes filled the air. The dusty sunlight poured in, stronger now. The ground beneath him was cold and unforgiving, and as he pushed himself up with shaking, strengthless arms, he felt the repercussions in his body of having fallen asleep where he had. Groaning, he brought one hand to his side, massaged his sore ribs. His joints cracked like autumn leaves, and the throbbing in his head was getting worse. With his fingers, he massaged his temples until the headache receded a little, negotiating a delicate truce. Water. He needed water desperately. He looked around the room. My cage, apparently, he thought. But how did I end up here? His first thought was that he had been rattled by an airborne bottle in the midst of an ill-advised fight. A bar fight? That seems improbable. Your drinking days are long past. You're a family man now and about as likely to get in a bar fight as you would steal a car. Pretty sure you've done neither. These thoughts tumbled through his head like mysterious tokens spilled from a cloth bag. He hesitated, trying to make sense of it. Family man. But where is your family? He tried to resolve the image of a family, a wife, kids, but their faces failed to appear. This disturbed him, not so much because he could not bring images to memory, but because of the disjointedness of it all. 
How did he remember some things, but other things eluded him? Where are those memories? All the things in between, the things you should be able to readily grasp, like pulling a familiar novel from the shelf. What about this thought of a journey from alcoholism to sobriety? How do you know you have a family if you remember nothing about them? Perhaps this is how amnesia worked. As far as he could remember, he had never had it before. Hardy, har, har, good joke. Perhaps it was just a temporary disorientation. But he found that these were thoughts disconnected, unattached to anything, like conversation balloons in a comic strip. Mental reminders of family and structure, but no faces to populate the narrative. He had only the bare bones outline of a story. For now, the past might be nothing more than an illusion, a mental mirage, a marketing scheme. Like a glass beaded with moisture, proven to be nothing but a plastic prototype once you actually reached out to take hold of it. Frantically, he wondered to himself he had truly suffered some kind of head trauma. That would explain the amnesia, the headache, and the disorientation. This caused another disturbing thought to come to mind. Have I been involved in some kind of accident? The more he pondered it, the more the thought began to concern him. If he was in jail, he wasn't sure why or even where that would be. He could just as likely be in prison because of a car accident as he could a bar fight if alcohol had been the culprit. Something more serious might have occurred then. Nestling his head in his hands, he quietly hoped he hadn't done something really stupid. Frustrated, he tilted his head back until it collided softly with the cement wall behind him. Not hard enough to hurt, but enough to jar him, to stir up the gremlins that were trampolining around inside there. His head throbbed, even a sharp toothpick stabbed into his temple. He brought his fingers up, massaging his brow, squeezing his eyes shut like a mentalist attempting to conjure up an image of the future. After a while, the pain subsided, the needles withdrawing, and the pulsing bass throb in his temple reduced to a vague thrumming, like impatient fingers on velvet. Finally, he opened up his eyes again, leaned forward with his elbows on his knees. I can't remember a doggone thing. Yet, here he was, on a cement floor, locked in some kind of jail or dungeon, without a single clue as to how or why he had gotten there. So far, he had only theories. But certainly something major had happened, something maybe even criminal. He was in some kind of trouble, though to what extent the repercussions of that unknown event would impact his life remained hidden, a maddening mystery. But there was little doubt that there had been some trouble, and it had involved him directly. It was the only reasonable explanation. Then a most frightening question emerged from the fog, like a loping creature with a savage hunger in its eyes and malevolence on its grotesque yet gleeful lips. Perhaps it had been looming in the shadow of his mind all along, formally kept at bay by the more immediate preoccupation he had with his location and his physical needs. But now it leaped forward. Did you kill someone? No, he said out loud. I'm not capable of that. He sputtered out the defense too quickly, and he knew it immediately. Swallowing, he felt something twist inside of him. Something that made him feel sick. No, you would never do anything like that. It was a mantra, something that you repeated over and over again until you were able to fasten upon it as certainty. You may be right, his mind whispered back. You're not a murderer. You would never do something like that intentionally. That seemed right. It had the ring of truth. But who said it was intentional? He looked around the cell. It was perhaps 20 feet by 15 Maybe a tad bigger than that, but certainly no Playboy's pad. 
Neither was it a hospital room, though he felt like receiving some sort of treatment might be advisable. At any rate, the enclosure was a little longer than it was wide by his reckoning. Bare walls of battleship gray cement, the ceiling flat and of a slightly darker hue. The surface of the wall at one end of the cell was broken only by an aperture about nine feet up that might or might not be large enough for a small man to wriggle through. <laughs> not that he was planning on attempting escape at the present time, but it was good information should he need it. The opening there was rectangular and presumably afforded access to the outside, three iron bars fixed vertically across the space. A scrap of plain fabric serving as a curtain fluttered intermittently in the unenthusiastic wind. As he watched the fabric, he was reminded of metaphorical ghosts, how the past was one such ghost that he had yet to recapture. This bothered him. No, more than that, the thought disturbed him, caused anxiety to threaten to overtake him again. He wondered fleetingly if most patients of mental asylums were driven to their desperate ends by simply being unable to reconcile their minds with the world around them. Detachment. If that was a fair analysis, the Gann figured that perhaps many were closer to the edge than they might want to admit. It was an escape, a way for the mind to protect itself by closing off the world outside. The mental variants of the human body, which utilized fever, and bodily functions to try and destroy or flush away sickness. If this was the case, then memory was the key to retaining his mental health. Memory was the rope that would keep him tethered to what was material, what was real. Last night was a blur, yes, but what was even more alarming was to find that the past in general was a blur right now. You must remember, you must fight to remember. Your salvation begins with your memories. Closing his eyes, he tried to recall something, anything, a key that might turn the knob, opening the door to the past. There had to be something tucked away in his mind, like a string that if pulled gently enough would dislodge the past, allowing him to draw it to himself so that he could make sense of why he was here, what had brought him to this place. That was Jimmy Gear reading a sample chapter from his latest book, The Birthday Girl. What did I tell you, right? I mean, I told you. It's a fascinating chapter. It leaves you wanting to know what's going on, and that's the whole idea. It makes you want to pick up the book to see what's happening. Click on the links in the show notes. You can follow Jimmy, pick up his books. Don't forget to also click on the links for our friends and sponsors. But lastly, please subscribe so that, that way next week you don't miss out when we come back with another author a new book, and a new sample chapter. Thank you, everybody. Have a good week. We'll see you next episode.